production. Starring David Jansen as Dr. Hello, Richard good evening, Kim. listeners, and welcome to the Revelation Station Music Podcast. With me tonight is the ever-present Mr. Simon Heldrich. Say hello, Simon. Hello, Gary. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Simon? I'm getting a bit long of hair. Yeah, me too. I'm getting a bit... I've had to go with the side parting again. Mm, But unfortunately, my hair's receding to such a point at the sides that I have to put my parting higher so you can't see how far it's receding now. Ah, the problems of age. My hair's getting so long, I'm going to be able to have a comb over soon, just like a geography teacher. Yeah, you're starting to look like a wizard from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yes, I've shaved my beard right now. All these masses of white hair and and your little goatee beard. Yeah. Yeah. And your wizard staff. And (laughs) that is a wizard staff. No, it wasn't. It's just the angle of the camera. Sorry. Well, no, a wizard staff has a knob on the end. I rest my case. So what are we doing here anyway? Why am I talking to you? What's going on? Why are you asking me? This is all your idea. Why are we here, Simon? You invited me. You've made me sit inside yet again. All right. It's a very windy and rainy night, so I don't mind it. But you said, be here, and we're going to talk about an album. Yes. This is your idea. You introduce it. This week, I have been listening to The Fugitive by Tony Banks. Please tell me you've been listening to that and not something else. Oh, no. I've been watching The Fugitive. (sighs) (sighs) Damn, I've done all seasons of the original series of The Fugitive. Uh, No, not The Fugitive, the TV series. The Fugitive, the album by Tony Banks, his second solo album. So, you want some facts about this? Just fact away, boy. Time to fact you up. Just the facts, man. I'll beat you to it. This album was released in June 1983. Stop stealing my facts! Straight off the mark. I'm in there. I'm in there. Stop sucking my facts out of On Charisma Records in the UK and Atlantic Records in the US. Ah! Bam! Super fact. Ah, I'm sucking my facts. That's all your facts, isn't it? No, that's not. I've got more facts than that. How dare you? I'm a, a serious researcher. Wow, way to brag. Come on, then hit me with your facts, boy. Yeah, yeah. So when was it recorded? Yeah, I can take it. I can take it. When was it recorded then, clever boy? I've got my head protector on and everything. Bam, bam. Fact to the left. Fact to the right. Fact, fact. Go on. So, here's your fact. To the left. It was recorded following the Three Size Live tour, which ended in October 1982. Fact in the face. It's got three drummers. Oh, and he's out. (laughs) Uh, That's enough of that. Uh, Yeah, it's got three drummers. And Tony also uses a Lin LM1 drum machine. Do you know the name of the three drummers? Hmm? Do you know the name of the three drummers? No, you don't, because you've not done your research like I have. I do know the name of the three drummers, actually. I can see you clicking on Wikipedia. Um, You had Steve Gadd, Tony Beard, and someone else. Mm. (laughs) Andy Duncan, actually. Correct. Who was only on At the Edge of Night, Charm and K2. Well, I've never heard of any of those drummers, to be perfectly honest, so those names mean nothing to me. No, I don't recall hearing them in relation to other bands. Daryl Sturmer is also on the album. Who's a name, of course, we've heard before. Yes, plays with Genesis, obviously. Daryl seems to be the go-to guitarist for solo albums with the Genesis, because... He works quite extensively with Phil as well. I tell you what, there's another band member in here who's played with Genesis before. Um, Tony Banks. He's played with them before. I'm sure I've heard that name before somewhere. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) So Tony took a leaf out of Phil's book and he recorded all the basic tracks for the album at home before he headed off to the farm to actually finally produce the album. Yeah, and as you said, this was done during a break in the Three Size Live tour. That's right, yeah. It was just before they got back together to 
work on the next Genesis album, which is Genesis. So the album received very mixed reviews when it was released. It managed to get to number 50 in the UK chart, which doesn't seem too bad, does it? It's not bad. Except it only stayed in the top 100 for two weeks, making it one of Tony's worst-selling solo albums. They released two singles off this album, neither of which charted, which of course were... This Is Love and And The Wheels Keep Turning. I mean, I know we're going to get into this album uh, as we go along, Hmm. um, but these two particular tracks, they were released on 12-inch versions as well. They were. I'm not going to say too much about what I think of these individual tracks here, obviously, because we've just started... Mm-hmm. But I don't think they needed extended versions of these tracks. No, I, I, to be honest, I've not heard the extended versions of these tracks, so I don't know whether they are any better or any worse. I'll give you a clue. Mm-hmm. They're like the normal ones, but longer. Yes. Does that help at all? <laughs> well, no, not really. <laughs> uh, However, Charisma were so so sure of the success of these two songs, they couldn't even be bothered to make a video for the second one. I've seen the video for the first one, which mostly seems to be girls dressed as buildings yes. and a shot of a lizard for no explicable reason. I don't remember that in the video. I remember Tony in a jacket in a car in the rain. I can't remember it. It's been a long time since I watched it. So the album was produced by Tony with Stephen Short, who was from Trident Studios, which is where Genesis recorded Trespass and Nursery Crime. Mm, it was. Yes. Um, and Trident Studios, quite a famous studio, hosted such artists as Queen and Wings and Peter Gabriel. Um, and Stephen Short actually bought Trident Studios, so he ran Trident Studios. It's a bit of a promotion, isn't it? It's a bit, yeah. So it was a, a month after this album got released, Genesis got back together to work on the next album, which was Genesis. So as you may have noticed, Tony decided to sing the songs himself. I did notice that, yes. He did. It's not a bit difficult not to notice that, really, isn't it? He thought it was pointless to continue with the setup he'd got for A Curious Feeling because that had gone nowhere. It was so unsuccessful that he, he didn't think that was worth doing, even though Kim Beacon is a professional singer and Tony Banks is not a professional singer. But he deliberately wrote the songs with simple vocal melodies in mind because he was going to sing it. He said in an interview that he wanted to do it at least once, and he's done it. Yep, and I can't help but agree that there are some simple melodies here. Yeah, I, I, mean, I wonder how that went down in the Charisma Record offices uh, after Mike's attempt at singing. Yeah, if actually, you know, now I come to think about it, I have seen a tape with just that written on the side of it, somewhere in the drawer of stuff. Another one of these tapes. Another one of these tapes. Well, you're keeping all these tapes. There must be thousands. Well, Deep Throat just keeps dumping them in a box. I keep going through them. And yeah. there's hundreds and hundreds of hours here. But um, let me have a route through this box, because I'm right. sure it's in the latest... It's in this box, number 487. That's how many tapes we've got. We've got 487 wow. boxes worth of tapes. Let me have a look. Ah, here it is. All right. Let me put this in the machine. Let's have a list. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? It's Tony Stratton-Smith here. Yes, yes. I know you're at sea. That's why I'm calling you on this radio telephone. I'm not using it for the novelty. Are you over it yet? Yes, the Mariana Trench. That's where I told you to go. Are you over it now? Okay, dump them. Dump them all. I don't want to see a single b- copy left. What? I don't care about a f- 
fishes and what is an environment? Oh yes? Really? Look, if I wanted Greenpeace to do my damping, I would have hired them. What's that? What's that noise? What are you all shouting? What the fuck is a Godzilla? Hello? Hello? Huh, the line's gone dead. Gladys? Gladys! Yes, Mr. Stratton Smith? That check I wrote to those people to dump those items. Have it cancelled. That's we, Mr. Stratton Smith. Mr. Tony Banks is here to see you. Is he? Well, send him in. Tony Banks, well, as I live, I'm f***ing brave. Glad to see you. Come in, my boy. Sit down. Oh, thanks, Toby. I hope I'm not interrupting. Nah, son. I was just finalising the distribution details for Mike's last solo album. Oh, OK, good. How did it do? Let's just say it's a very deep album. Um? Well, it is now. OK. Now, you're probably wondering why I asked you here, Tony. Hmm. Well, I assumed it was something to do with my new solo album. Clever boy. That's right. Where is it? Um, well, you see... Yes? I finished it all. It was all done and ready to go. But then my, uh, my dog ate it. Yes? Um, yes, that's right. Your dog ate it? That's right, Tony, yes. I was out playing in the garden, and when I came in, the dog had chewed it up. It was in pieces all over the living room floor. Your dog ate your album. Don't f***ing b it me, Tony boy. I've just had to destroy all the unsold copies of Mike's last album, so I'm in no f***ing mood for b We just got it. It's a puppy. I know for a f***ing fact, Tony, that you don't have a the dog. No, no, no. F*** off. It's true. Mum and Dad got him for me to keep me company when the band isn't together. Just shut the f*** up, Tony. I know you're lying. You haven't got a dog, so it hasn't f***ing destroyed your f***ing album. Where the shit is it? Mm, well, um, oh, you see, I wasn't doing so well with the album, and I decided to go out for a drive to clear my head. When I was returning home later on, I almost ran over a one-armed man who was running away from my home studio. Upon entering the house, I found the album dead on the floor. It had been strangled, Tony. It had been strangled. Enough, Tony. That's the f***ing plot of the f***ing fugitive. Stop b***ing lying to me and tell me the bastard truth. Okay, Tony. I'll come clean. You know how you heard Mike singing on his album and you got all cross? Oh, Say, Tony, I never get f***ing cross. Hmm, well, yes, anyway, I couldn't find a singer I liked to do my songs, and as I'm the best musician in Genesis, I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't sing it myself. I mean, if Phil hadn't jumped in to take over from Peter so quickly, I'm sure the rest of the guys would have asked me. Not this again, Tony. We listened to four hundred audition tapes. If you'd wanted to take over, you should have said. Oh, I'm not bitter, Tony. I know Phil's doing a perfectly adequate job. I don't see him lasting another 15 years in the role. But you know, he'll do for now. Hell, get on with it, Tony. Well, anyway, when I heard how cross you were about Mike singing, I didn't want to give you the album. I'm a much better singer than Mike, of course. But you know what you like, and that seems to be Phil. 
for some reason. So you finished the f***ing album, but you didn't want to give it to me because you do all the singing yourself, despite my explicit f***ing instructions that you weren't to sing it yourself. Yes, that's right. For f***'s sake, Tony, is the album complete? Oh, yes. I just need a title and some artwork. I thought a black and white close-up photo of my face might be a good image to use. Now, I could call it Head Bargain. Now, okay, okay, how about something more exotic? How about Pre Du Visage? Now, oh well, what do you suggest then? Right, soon as you spun me a f***ing line about a f***ing one-armed man, we're gonna call it The Fugitive. The Fugitive? But the album doesn't have anything to do with The Fugitive. Or anyone with a physical impairment. A physical? Tough, that's what it's called. And you're having a line drawing on the cover, and I'll get my five-year-old nephew to colour it in. But Tony! And maybe that will remind you to find a f***ing singer when I tell you to find a f***ing singer. Now, get the shit out of my office! Can I at least get a coloured vinyl release? You'll get my f***ing boot up your ass. Now get out! Hmm. Find a singer, eh? Well, I'll show him. I'll get loads of singers on my next album. Well, I think we can see how that went down on a production point of view. Mm. Yeah, Tony mm. Stratton-Smith's not terribly happy there, is he? No, and to be honest, having listened to the album, I can see where he may have been worried about it. Mm. Well, But we will come on to what we think of, of Tony's... I don't want to say effort, because that sounds dismissive of what he's done on this album. Yes. Shall we say Tony's approach to this album? Yes. Very diplomatic. You're showing this diplomacy again, aren't you? <laughs> you know, it's a good job I work for the UN, isn't it? Because it is. I, I'd be wasted anywhere else. And to be fair, I'm normally wasted wherever I am. <laughs> You're wasted now, aren't you? Partially, yes. <laughs> you don't think I do this podcast sober, do you? <laughs> I do. Ever. <laughs> huh? I do. I know. There's something wrong with you. I know. Really is. <laughs> anyway, continue. As we've said, this was released in 1983 on vinyl and cassette. An unofficial CD of this album was released in 1999, which was released in Russia. It was remastered in 2016 for an official release. Both of those releases feature two bonus tracks, K2 and Sometime Never, which are two tracks that we are also going to be listening to today. We are, because the remastered version is the version we have. That's correct. Which is odd for us, because normally we go with the uh, original version of the album, don't we? We do. We do then sometimes mention extra tracks that were put on later. Mm -hmm. But for this one edition, we are actually going with the remastered copy. Correct. And this remastered... It's a fact! Bam! (laughs) In your face! Well, here's this last fact before we start talking about the tracks. This album was remastered and released as part of the Banks Vault box set, which came out in 2019, which features all of Tony's non-classical albums in remastered form. Should you wish to get the remastered version of A Curious Feeling? Kapow! Yeah! Factorama! I'm facked out. Badoom. In fact, I'm so facked out, I'm lying on the floor here and I'm going one, <laughs> two, uh, facked out. Well, with those facts fresh in your mind, let's have a listen to the first track. A listen? A listen to the first track. Okay. Which is? This is Love. In a world 
So there you go, the first single off the album, the only one that they bothered making a video for. This is Love. What do you think, Gary? It's got a bit of a reggae beat going there. That's funny, that, because the first thing I put in my notes is interesting pop reggae beat. Yeah, it does sound very 80s, this track. I mean, I know that's understandable because it's recorded in the 80s, but it really does sound... 80s. I mean, mm. we have to remember the 80s. Everybody talks about the 80s, how we had some great music, how it was a very vibrant time. People's memories of the 80s is somewhat distorted because they remember yeah. some of the great tracks. Yeah. There was an awful lot of dross in the 80s. Yeah. Massive amounts of synthesizer and drum machine stuff, which was basically unlistenable. That was the predominant thing in the charts. And then you got bands like Yazoo and Simple Minds and stuff that were the cream of that kind of electronic music. Depeche Mode. Yeah, but we had so much dross as well. So much utter. They've literally got the Casio keyboard out of the box and turned it on. We had a lot of that. I hated the 80s. Yeah. I mean, for every talk talk, there was a Kajigugu. I didn't want to say Kajigugu, but that was (laughs) the first one that came to my mind too. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get letters about that. You're going to get letters. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but like any decade, there were great tracks and there were terrible tracks. And the terrible tracks vastly outweighed the great tracks. But that's not to say that this isn't a good track. What do you think of it? I don't think it's a good track. Do you not? No, it's a bit too long at five minutes, I think. Mm. It's not a bad track, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think this is awful. I wouldn't have put this at the beginning of the album because it's it's called This Is Love, but it's not really a love song, is it? <sighs> not really. It's more of a... <sighs> now, the lyrics on the whole of this album are a bit odd, and we'll come into a couple of the lyrics a little bit later on. I agree entirely on This that. one in particular, on the surface... Is a love song, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very, very surface. When you scratch that surface, it's actually... It, you don't have to scratch it a lot either. I think it's about a stalker. Do you? I couldn't quite yeah. get my finger on what it was, but there's something about this track that says, this isn't about love, love. This is yeah. about something else entirely. Yeah, maybe a stalker works on this. I don't know. I'll have to, re- I'll have to really listen to the lyrics, but you, I was just listening to it going, this, this isn't a love song. It talks about love... Like somebody who doesn't know love talks about love. Yeah, that's why I think it might be about a stalker, because he's talking about, you know, staring out across the the buildings of the city, even in the dark and the rainfall. Well, why is he staring out over the buildings of the city? Uh, who hasn't done that? He's watching somebody. I got the impression of him watching somebody from a darkened corner outside in the rain as they get on with their lives. I don't know. It's one of those songs... You can take it on a superficial level as a love song, yep. but it's not a love I agree. song. But having said that, this isn't one of my favourite tracks on the album by any stretch. I yeah. probably would not have released this as a single. It's not bad. We're going to have to differ on this one because I think, A, it's a good song to open the album with. I think it works really well as the album opener. And B, I think it was a good choice for a single. I think it's a good. Mm. it's got a good hook. Um, it's got a good chorus. I don't think it's the best choice for a single on the album. But I think it was a good choice for a single. Maybe not the first single. I'll just come back to a phrase I've used on many of these podcasts um, to this point, which is, that's fine, but you're wrong. <laughs> um, no, I, this, isn't a, this isn't a bad track by any stretch. I just think, like quite a few of the tracks on this album, it's a bit repetitive. Mm. And it's a bit too long at five minutes for what yeah. it is. Yes. But I would have hated to hear the 12-inch version of this. Yeah, well, I've never heard the 12-inch version, so I can't comment. But I think it's probably a minute or so too long. 
but I, I think agree. it's a good track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the breakdown in the middle when you get the keyboard and the guitar into play, I think it's really, really good. I think Yeah, it livens up there. Bits I think partly I think it's a shame that Tony kept this for himself rather than giving it to Genesis. Because I think this would have made a great Genesis track. I'm sort of getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but it, it is necessary here. This track, with a little more production and a little better arrangement, would have been great tracks. Hmm. He's gone down the road on quite a lot of these of drum and synth. Yeah. Um, which was very popular at the time. But if you'd actually had a good band behind these tracks, hmm. I think they would have. some of these would have been turned into classic tracks. Because some of them... Yeah. They've got a germ of brilliance about them. It's just the production of them and the yeah. the arrangement of them that's letting them down. And I think it's only arranged that way to fit in with the times that this was released. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you, you say he does synth and drums, which, I, yeah, I, I agree. Although I think there's, there's, there's some good guitar work on here as well in places, not this particular Later track, tracks, yeah. In, on yeah. the album. But you've got to bear in mind that Tony's a keyboard player, so he's going to focus on that. Which is what he did on A Curious Feeling, which kind of was the problem with that album. Um, I like the fact that he's not gone prog again. He's not tried to do another Genesis Light album on this, Mm -hmm. especially on this track. Although I think this would have made a good Genesis track. I think Mike and Phil would have changed it a little bit and it would have been bumped up. For a start, they wouldn't have let Tony sing it. Well, yeah, exactly. His voice doesn't... (laughs) <laughs> Don't get me wrong, he hasn't got a bad voice. And when it's used properly, because he's got he's got two pitches of voice. He's got one that's quite lower, which is quite a functional singing voice. Yeah. And then he's got this high-pitched singing style, which he uses on this track, which is at the very limit of what his vocals can mm. do. So you hear him really straining, it seems, yeah. to hit some of these notes. And I think if they'd had a good singer on this album, again, it's down to production. If they changed a few things, added a few different instruments, mm. brought maybe a little more bass into this track yeah. and a different singer, I think it'd have been a corking track. It's not bad, but mm. it's not gonna be it's not one of my favourites on this this album. It go it's overstays its welcome. Like me at most parties. Yes. Well I like this. I like this song, and I think Tony sings it quite well, but he does strain it. When he gets to the, the more intense bits, you know, the do-what-you-want bit, that's fine. Yeah. But when he's like, all of my life, was it all of my life gonna is a waste without you, another stalker line, he starts to push his vocals a bit, and that's where he starts to lose it. He doesn't lose it quite as badly on this track as he does on some of the later tracks, I think. Mm. But yes, I like this song. I think it's a good opener. I like it. I think it's average. You think it's okay. So cool. that's... That's that track. Shall we go on to track two? Man of Spells.
that opening sounds like a Steve Hackett track to me. Yeah. Sounds like something we've heard from the last the two Steve Hackett albums we've listened to. It's very reminiscent of something, but I couldn't think what it was. Well, I think the guitar playing in the background really, really reminded me of Steve Hackett. Um it just had that sound, the sort of sound that Steve is trying to create, which is almost Genesis, but not Genesis. Mm, yeah. And, and Tony seems to have done that on this track. Um, and the, that opening especially, and then the guitar that plays along in the background, it sounds, it just really reminded me of, of Steve Hackett's solo yeah, the only The only way I'd say this is different from something that Steve would have done is, I think this is, it's a very simple tune. Mm. It's it's yeah. there's not a lot going on in this tune. Say it lasts for nearly four minutes. It's mm-hmm. quite simple in its arrangement. To be honest, I found this track a little dull right from the yeah. get go. I mean, it's a change of pace from that first track. Yes, it um, is, and it, it's got one of those typical Tony magical lyrics, hasn't it? You know, like mm. uh, yeah, like an old Genesis lyric. But this is this is quite <laughs> repetitive as a track. It's, yeah. Or have I already said that? Yeah, the lyric would fit on a Genesis album, I think. But not the music. Music would not, because no. the music, like you say, the music is a bit meh. Yeah, I, ju- I just found this quite dull to listen to. Um, yeah. it, it's not a favourite track for me. It was, it was again, not bad. Yeah. I just thought it was slow and plodding and repetitive. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't ever get going. Tony's written songs like like this before, where it starts off quite slowly and then builds up and builds up and builds up and then comes back again. This, this just doesn't. No, just one level all the way through, and vocally as well. This is probably one of the simplest vocal lines he's got on the whole album. Definitely, um, this uh, this track is more of a drone than a song. Mm, yeah, I wonder if it'd make a good instrumental. Cut it down to three minutes, take the vocals off. Maybe it would be better as would have been better Again, as an instrumental. It would be a it'd be a short instrumental piece because yeah. the music doesn't go anywhere either. Lyrics no. nor the music go anywhere. This is quite a long album um, that Tony's done here. And I think, on the whole, I would have probably left this track off the album. Yeah. I mean, bearing in mind we're doing the two bonus tracks as well. So the actual album was only about 45 minutes long, vinyl-wise. Mm. So. Or maybe it's just that this album seems longer. I'm not sure. <laughs> it maybe, yeah. It's another acting very strange. It's, it seems longer than it is. Mm, yeah. But, but anyway. Again, we have the elephant in the room, which is, of course, Tony's voice. Yeah. Let's talk about that now. Tony's voice, better or worse than Mike? Worse. I didn't mind Mike's singing too much. And Tony, don't get me wrong, some of the tracks on this this album, he does pretty well. Mm. However, that high-pitched singing voice that he does on these tracks, Mm. he does them on the later tracks, and some of those later tracks work well, well with that. But yeah. here, it's just slightly below annoying. On this particular track, are you talking on the whole album? Uh, I'm going to say the whole album. It's when he's doing the higher stuff. See, I like Tony's voice better than Mike's voice. I'd rather listen to Tony singing than listen to Mike. Tony's voice reminds me a lot of an artist called Al Stewart. Um, I don't know if you ever heard Al Stewart. I have not. Uh, his most famous track is called The Year of the Cat. It was a big hit in like 1972, I think. But it, it sounds almost exactly like Tony. Well, Tony sounds almost exactly like him. Um, if you get a chance, go and listen to that, that particular song because that song's really good. I shall. One morning comes and you're still with her. A 
the bus and the tourists are gone And you've thrown away your choice And lost your ticket So you have to stay on But the drumbeat strains of the night Remain in the rhythm of the newborn day You know sometime you're bound to leave her But for now you're gonna stay In the year of the cat But Tony's voice reminds me so much of Al Stewart. And I think, yeah, he strains a bit, a lot, on some tracks. <laughs> but Mike's voice just grates all the way through. I mean, I don't think there's any song on Mike's album where his voice actually works with the music. No, I, I will completely agree with you on that. Um, and I think Tony does on some, but not on others. Yeah, yeah. At least Tony's got more hits probably, mm. than Misses, yeah. singing-wise, on this album, than, than Mike did. Yes. Um, I just found Mike's less annoying. It's that almost choir boy singing style he's going for on some of these tracks. He's, yeah. he's maybe a few octaves higher than he really should be singing these tracks, mm. especially like This Is Love. That, that song may be a little higher than you would like to hear it sung. Of course, that's all personal choice. Um, and hmm. I, this isn't my, my track, so I don't really have any say in how it should be sung. <laughs> but from a listening point of view, I just thought it was registered a bit too high for that kind of music. Yeah. That's my, th- that's my thinking on this anyway. Well, okay. But yeah, I mean, I like, like I, said, I like Tony's voice. I don't love it. I think, should Tony have got another singer on this album? Yes. Yes. Yeah, quite probably. Mm. I think if he'd have got somebody, else, not Kim Beacon, because Kim Beacon wouldn't have done well on these tracks at all. No, not worked on this one. But he should have got another singer in. Funnily enough, when Tony releases albums in the future, he'll, he'll have a song on each album that he sings. How do you know that? <gasps> because I can see the future. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, so he's he's gonna sing, whereas Mike doesn't sing ever again on any of his albums. Probably for the best, really. Which for the best? Yeah. But I I don't mind Tony's voice. I really hate Mike's voice. I think Tony does quite well. Doesn't do brilliantly. No. Should have probably got another singer in. But I agree. Um. um yeah. There's some tracks on here I think his voice works perfectly well with. Yeah. But we will come to those as we come. Is that all we've got to say about Men of Spells? Yes, I think so. Shall we go on to the next track? <sighs> Yes, which is And the Wheels Keep
So again, a bit repetitive, this one. Yeah, a bit of a plod of that one, I think. It is, it is. Plods along a bit. Really odd choice for a single from the album. Yeah, because it's it's almost an endless chorus. Uh, is there a verse mm-hmm. in this? It just seems all mm-hmm. I can remember of Good listening point. to this is that, that damn chorus that just seems yeah. to, and the wheels keep turning, which seems to be the lyrics <laughs> yeah. for the entire track. Yeah. Or was I just getting brainwashed by the repetitiveness of it? That's the chorus. There are verses. I don't know. I just had the, and the wheels keep turning, going through my head for the whole time I was listening to this track. I'm trying to think what the lyrics are. Like, and the wheels keep turning. The lyrics are, and the wheels keep turning. Because it's like, it, it might happen that way. There is no warning. She's going away. And the wheels keep turning. <laughs> it's an another one of those ones where what's it about and this is about i don't know somebody breaking up with somebody else it sounds like from the lyrics could well be i don't know i, I didn't get into it that far to be perfectly <laughs> honest I, I never really got past the chorus yeah i say an odd, odd choice for a single because yeah this is this is not, not a tra- like the like the previous one this is love Neither of those mm. are the tracks I would choose off this album to be a single. No. Certainly not this one. There are much better ones on this. Yeah. I mean, it's got a good keyboard solo. Yes, it has. Yeah. Although yeah. it has that very, very 80s uh, harmonica synth. Yes, I know. I heard that and I thought, oh, this takes me back. This is this has got eighties written all over it, large. Yeah. Um, there was there was there's some there's a lot of stuff on this this particular side of the album, not the whole album, just this particular side, that is yeah. so reminiscent of the eighties in feel, if not in production yeah. or style. But you just get this feel. It's almost like nostalgia. Yes, there's a lot of those sounds. I can't really remember this period of the eighties very well. I'm trying to trying to think if if these sounds that Tony's using sound cliched in '80s because of everything that came after him, mm-hmm. or whether he was in the midst of it going, "That sounds good, I'll use that," and stealing it from things that were about at the time. I mean, don't get me wrong; I have very very fond memories of 1983. Return of the Jedi came out. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much all I remember from 1983 because <laughs> I was so blown away by what would eventually become one of my least favourite Star Wars films. Um, I think I went to see it like... This is not a Star Wars podcast. No, I'm just saying there was a lot going on in the 80s <laughs> and I, 83 was a mixed year for me because I had lots of albums mm. I was still trying to get in touch with and really only just discovered rock music to a, a degree like yes. three years previously so that I was trying to catch up on masses and masses of of rock like early Iron Maiden and and uh, Led Zeppelin all that was going on and I really had yeah. very little time for the 80s music that was currently mm. happening I was so busy my mind wasn't on where I was and what I was doing so <laughs> to speak yeah. But yes, always looking to the future. This one, yes. <laughs> Thank you for getting the reference. But it's like, um, <laughs> so so all I remember basically the eighties are like snaps from the corners of my eyes, and this yeah. track brought so many of those into focus. It's almost like there's something on the tip of your tongue because there's so many things in here that that are very reminiscent of something of the eighties, yeah. and it, it's it's just full of nostalgia. This track for me. Uh, because of how certain instruments are used and how certain instruments are put into it. You know, we've got we've got sounds there that you just go, gosh, that's so 80s, that. Like yeah. you were just saying with the with the synth and things. 
So, um, yeah, while it's not one of my favourite tracks on here by any stretch of the imagination, and it's certainly dull, um, it is reminiscent. And I kind of enjoyed listening to it for its nostalgia feel. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy listening to it for its music. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of liked this track, but it doesn't hold up repeated listening. It's a good track if you listen to it once or twice. The more you listen to it, the more you... It's too long for a start. Yes, it is. And the more you listen to it, the more it's like, yeah, yeah, it's a bit derivative. It's meh. It's okay. And it it is repetitive, but it's all right. I, I think it's quite a good song. Yeah, but on future listens to this, you will probably jump past this track. Probably. I mean, to me, it's a little bit reminiscent of Duke. Not the the sound of the song, but the, the structure of the song. In that it plods along, like you said, like I said before, Tony mm. has a good way of creating a song that plods and then builds and builds and builds and builds and then brings back again. This is another one where it kind of plods along at the same pace yes. all the way through. Yes, it does. There's no build. It's exactly like Man of Spells. It's the same thing. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's going to end the way it started, the way it is in the middle. Yeah. It really doesn't. It's all going to end in tears. Well, yeah, probably, but it, it is. It's repetitive and it's monotonous and nostalgic. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's probably the best review I can do of it. Oh yeah, I think it's, it's very eighties. I don't mind it. I didn't skip it. I probably wouldn't skip it, to be honest, but it's not the best track on the album. No. So that brings us on to track four, which is... Say You'll Never Leave Me. Can't promise you that. Well, this is very Beatle-esque, isn't it? What a weird lyric. Isn't it, though? I'm starting to get your stalker vibe about this album. I mean, the thing is, right, first thing I'd say about this this song is, as part of my research into each album, uh, I also read other people's reviews online. Steal, you mean? And, and steal ideas. Uh, I mean, um, plagiarise. I mean, um, get inspiration. Thank you. For, You're inspired by... Um, 
others' reviews. <laughs> yeah, I get inspired by it. But I do read other people's reviews just to see what the general consensus is on an album. Mm-hmm. And almost all the reviews I've read say that this track, it's a beautiful love song, which Tony has written. And, you know, it's a beautiful romantic song. Is it? Have you actually listened to the lyrics? Are we talking about the same track? Because it's not a love song. No, it's, it's not. It's like the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. All of the verses end up with somebody dying, it seems. Yeah, it's not a happy track. But I approach research on these albums different to you. I don't. Listen yeah. to what other people say, because I have no interest in what other people say or think. Only <laughs> only my opinion counts, as you know. And I don't know, this track just feels like it should have been sung by the Beatles. But mm. it's not a track the Beatles would have gone anywhere near. And they yeah. did some really weird and strange tracks of their own accord. But this yeah. one, as you say, it's, it's another one that's got a dark undertone. So it starts off, simply enough... They're standing looking at the sea. Beautiful. Then they get killed by a tsunami. Yeah, as you do. Then somebody else is, is standing in a building and, and admiring the view. And then they're killed by an earthquake. La, 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 la. Happy And then times. they're shipwrecked <laughs> in the last chorus, floating in the sea on a wrecked boat. And then they get run over by another bigger boat that doesn't see them coming. So say you'll never leave me. The, the title isn't about love. It's about death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, it makes me think, Tony, is is everything all right at home? Because this is a really dark yeah, lyric. It is. I mean, it's really evocative. I mean, when Tony does a good lyric, and he does do good lyrics. He does. But when he does a really good lyric, he can conjure up uh, the pictures in your mind like you're watching a TV show or a movie. And this this lyric absolutely does that for me. You know, you get the whole, he conjures up the feeling of standing, looking looking out to sea. And then you get crushed by a tsunami. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's um, like, what, what's going on? I don't know. It's, it, again, though, coming on to whether we actually like this track. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Probably should, I suppose. Let's get away from the metaphysical reasons of, of why it's about yeah. people dying or being crushed or whatever. But I like I like that lyric. I like that about the lyric, though. Oh, yeah. I like the fact that it's another one of those ones where superficially it's one thing and then you scratch away the, the veneer. It's something quite different. And it, it's something completely different. Mm. And again, it's another one like This Is Love where it's not what it appears to be. I like that about it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. do you like the song? No. <laughs> No, again, again, this is another one that kind of leaves me cold. I, I found it quite dull. I mean, I know I said it was Beatlesque, but I found the, some of the Beatles stuff dull. Oh, we're going to get letters. Oh, we're going to get letters about that. But, you know, the, the Beatles were a band, like were. any other band. They did some crap as well as some good stuff. Let's just all agree that not everything they did was brilliant. And keeping that in mind... I said this was a Beatlesque kind of sounding song, and it's terrible. Fair enough. I'm in two minds about this song because I love the lyrics. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the lyrics, but I sense the but. But the music isn't as good as the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been true of this entire side of this album. I think the, yeah. the music hasn't lived up to what could have been. As I said right at the mm. very beginning, I think with a good producer and a really good band and a good arrangement to suit a really good mm. band without changing yeah. any of these tracks in in a big way we could have had some really good stuff on this album um it's just let down by the fact that they've tr- he's tried to keep it simplistic you know with, with yeah. just keyboards and a drum machine or a drummer it, to be fair 
I thought until I actually read a lot about this album that they were using a drum machine on this album because mm. the drumming is so yes. dull and repetitive in places. So when I found out they had three drummers, I was going, what? And which one was the machine? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like if they just made the arrangements better, got a better singer, mm. actually changed everything about these tracks, they're doing <laughs> brilliant. That's what we thought about Tony's first solo album, though, wasn't it? It was like his demos for Genesis. Yes. And if Genesis had got hold of them, they would have turned into something completely different yeah. and it would have been pretty good. Yeah. And pretty much, and Mike's last solo album as well, acting very strange. He needed somebody else to come in and say, oh, yeah, I like that. But what about adding this? I like that bit. Why don't we cut that? Why don't we make this a bit? He needed a collaborator. Actually, to be fair, if he'd got Bob off the street, they'd have ended up with a better <laughs> album. Than acting very strange. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I get. I, I understand your point about this song, but the lyric alone makes me like the song. Fair enough. That's your that's your point of view. Because the lyric just just makes me go. What? No, I'm, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> let I'm gonna let you have that. I'm, I'm not gonna argue oh, it because I agree about the lyrics. I just think that the music yeah. let it down. This could have been really interesting if the music had also been interesting. I do I do agree. I think the music could have been better. I think You realise you're agreeing with yourself there. <laughs> the music could be better. The lyrics are great, but whereas you don't like the song because of that, I do like the song because the lyrics. Okay. So. Fair enough. That's a that's a nice split view of this track then. Good. So last track on this side of the vinyl album. Thirty Freeze instrumental there sounds a bit Jean-Michel Jarre-ish to me you say Jean-Michel Jarre but yeah he did interesting stuff this is a is a musical piece it doesn't really go anywhere hmm. I don't want to say it's bad because to be fair I wasn't interested enough while listening to it <laughs> to form an opinion it's it's quite repetitive again i'm saying that about a track on this album it's like the same refrain over and over again but it ends up where it started it doesn't really go anywhere is that pop songs though that's that's what pop songs yeah, do but this is an instrumental piece yeah it's still a pop song though i mean it's supposed to be instrumental but tony's trying to make a pop album and pop songs are repetitive by nature that's well he's doing very well so far but for me for me this one i like this it's it's atmospheric i think it's got loads of different layers of sound that come in but I, I really like this I thought it was a good instrument I enjoyed listening to this I, I like the fact that it's atmospheric and using sounds that keep coming in he keeps adding things to it and adding things to it I like it I think it's good okay I'll just set you right so there you're wrong 
it's quite dull and repetitive. And I'm not just saying that just to be dull and repetitive. <laughs> this just didn't do it for me. I just didn't think musically it went anywhere interesting. I thought it was mm. quite repetitive all the way through. It was quite repetitive all the way through. It was quite repetitive. <laughs> you get the joke. It's just, yeah. I, I, no, I don't think so. This is one of two instrumental tracks on this album. This is Jeez. my least one of those. I, I didn't like this. I thought it was four and a half minutes that could have been spent better. Watching where I was going while I was driving, for example. <laughs> Rather than closing your eyes and banging your head against the steering Exactly, wheel. yeah. <laughs> Which I found myself doing through most of this track. That was one hell of a crazy <laughs> ride home, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's the end of the first side. You've so already said that you, the first side for you is not great. So first track on the second side of the album would have been the next track, which is By You. It's not By You. It's by Tony Banks. I would have remembered, you see. Yeah. It's a track called By You. Side two. What is changing pace? Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> that doesn't sound like yes, it is. That sounds like yes, it is. I thought that was very repetitive, that track. Don't get me wrong. I do appreciate what you're saying. It is a little repetitive, but I just thought the energy in this track was a little more than we've seen on the album so far. Mm. Um, again, though, very, very 80s. It even had a robot voice in it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. How much voice. more 80s can you get? I know. Oh, totally, totally. I mean... <sighs> This, I'm going to say right now, I think this is probably my least favourite track of the album. Oh, really? I really like Yeah, I think I don't so. Mind. I'm not saying it's one of my favourites, but compared to side mm. one, I thought the energy and this this track sounds so fresh compared to the yeah. rest of the album. I, ju I mm. just liked the fact that it was... It sounded so different from side one completely. Um, this yeah. is this it's very craft work. It is, but it's it's a new level of energy that we haven't seen on this album so far, and mm. I appreciate it for that because I was getting so seriously, tediously bored with side <laughs> one that this just yeah. knocked me out of my seat when I heard it. I thought it's such a changing pace and tempo and feeling. 
that I yeah. I liked it just on the fact that it wasn't like the rest of side one. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Even though it's my least favourite track on the album, I still quite like the song. Tony's singing, when he's not being a robot singing, um, this is Tony sounds almost exactly like Al Stewart on this track. I didn't mind the, the singing so much on this track, I must admit. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was too bad. I, I quite like this track. It's not one of my favourites on this album. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I must admit, I'm running out of tracks to have favourites of on this album. Um, <laughs> but I, I liked this purely because it was like having a nice cold drink on a really hot day compared to the rest of the album. It was so refreshing. It does sound very different to what's come before on the album. Mm. Almost out of place. Well, you say that, but this album, to quote a phrase, is an album of two halves, right? Side one and side two of this album sound so completely different. And we're going to hear that on the next four or five, six tracks. It's like almost like he wrote this album over a year and he wrote the first side in the first couple of months, left it for a long time, and then just sort of go, oh, I've got to finish that album. What am I thinking? Wrote some more tracks without listening to the stuff he'd done earlier. Because mm. they are so intrinsically different in energy that's in the tracks. Yeah, he probably did. He probably started recording it before Christmas, went off on for a break and came back three months later and started recording it. Forgot where he got to. Mm. We've all been there, haven't we? We, we indeed We've have. Been there. But there's just so much more energy in, in the second side of this album. The first side's kind of monotonous and plodding on some tracks, particularly Man of Spells, which is, you know, long and plodding and just, just doesn't vary much. This side's got so much more energy to it. I like this side. Yeah. This side's my idea of, a, of of an album that he should have done. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of a change of pace and a change of energy, the next track, which we'll go into now, At the Edge of Night, is another change of sound. Yeah. of a rocker that one isn't, isn't it? it nice change of beat very strong sounds like a great yeah. pop song this does yeah i mean another elephant is in the room what the elephant is in the room why wasn't this a single i don't know it's a great song i mean 
it's it's actually doesn't need any tweaking at all. You could sing this today and it wouldn't sound out of place. Yeah, and even Tony sings it well. Yeah, sings it really well, actually. I really like his singing on this track. Yeah. This is perhaps my second favourite track on this album. Ooh. Oh, the mystery deepens. Oh, it's a mystery. God, we're so mysterious on this podcast. But... <laughs> Going back to this track, it's a great track. Yeah, it really is a great track. This is this has got single written all over it. Yeah, what on earth were they thinking? Exactly, I know. I mean, uh, bearing in mind, this is the longest track on the album, and it totally doesn't feel like it. Yes, it is at uh, six minutes and three seconds. But as you say, some of the tracks on here that we've listened to so far, like Man of Spells, seem like they go on for about nine to twelve minutes. <laughs> this one, which is as you say, the longest track by two whole seconds. Um, um, doesn't feel that long. <laughs> no, it totally doesn't. I it's really enjoyed this track. Really, really good. Yeah, fantastic guitar work from Daryl. Yeah, yeah, really. On this as well. Yeah. Again, a little bit Steve Hackett-ish in places. Definitely. I'm sure I'm sure Tony won't mind you saying his music sounds like his friend's music at all. <laughs> his enemy. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he listens to the podcast anyway, and I'm sure we'll get letters. <laughs> but no, I, this, this sure should have been... Hands down, the single of this album. Absolutely. This should have been the first single on the album. Mm. And the first track. No, I don't think it would have worked as the first track, to be honest. But first single, definitely. Maybe you're right. Maybe your senses needed to be deadened by the other dross on this album before you got something quite good <laughs> and could really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm with you now. Yeah, leave it till later. Get rid of all the <laughs> crap beforehand and get to the good stuff later. Uh, so what you're saying is this isn't really a good track. It's just good in context of this album. No, no, no. I'm saying it's one of the only good tracks on this album. <laughs> my humble, as you know, I'm a humble guy. Oh. Um, my humble opinion. You are. Um, I, I think this is... It's one of my favourite tracks. Not the favourite. I'm interested to know which your favourite is now. I want, to, I want to go on there. Right, so Edge of Night, thumbs up. Brilliant track. Yeah. Very good. Right, let's go on to the next track. Something that you have none of. Charm. <laughs> Thank you. 
So, Charm. What do we have to say about Charm? Another instrumental? I love this track. This is my favourite track on the album. Is it? It is. Wow. I really like this track. It's really repetitive, though. I mean, I like the track. Don't get me wrong. I like the track. But it's also really repetitive. It starts off like it should be the soundtrack to a Mario Kart game. (laughs) It's got that sort of... 80s video game sound yeah. to it which I which I really like and then the music kicks in and it gets really interesting and I just love yeah. it it's a great rhythm it's lively it's fun I mean which is something that this this mm-hmm. album previous to side 2 has seriously lacked it's charming it's beautifully yeah. titled I think it is charming this track I really like listening to this it, it's yeah. you know it's not, it's not a great musical piece by genesis standards or anything like that but mm. I like this track. I thought it was fun to listen to. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's a good track. I'm just surprised that you think it's a good track because it is really repetitive and you really hate repetitive tracks. I'm sure you've said that before. Um, but yeah, I like this. I think it's not my favourite one on the album, but I do like it. I do prefer it to uh, 33, though. Yes, definitely. I think this is the better of the two instrumentals, even though I like 33. This, is, this has got more going for it musically, I think. It's almost experimental again with what he's trying to do. You, there's a lot yeah. going on in here. I, I just liked it for that. I thought it, it smacked a bit of his, his first album in the fact that he was trying different things. There were different sounds on here that we hadn't mm. heard on this album before. and it, 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 just, it almost seems out of place musically for this album. Yeah. But then, at the same time, it hmm. does fit this album. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. happy with this track. I think it's I think it's a lovely little track. It's a fun little track. I like listening to this. You're on board with Charm, then. I'm yeah. well on board. I'm so on board. <laughs> I've got the best cabin on board, and I'm sl- <laughs> I'm spending dinner time with at the captain's table for this this track. Wow. Yeah. Totally on board. Um, in fact, I've even yeah. booked for next year's cruise on this track. Well, wow, that's good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I like to surprise you now and again. It's a good track. I like it. I do think it takes it takes a little bit longer to get going than 33s, but yeah, I, I kind of I understand what you mean as well. You say it sounds like something from Mario Kart. Mm. <laughs> Having played a lot of Mario Kart in my life, you have I can indeed. certainly imagine playing mm. Mario Kart to this music. So yeah, especially the first good. bit. I mean, obviously not the later bits, but um, it does start off like mm. the soundtrack to a video game. And I, I liked that intro. It, it, again, it was the nostalgia feel for it because it took you back to those great yeah. video games of the 80s. Um, I just found it absolutely charming, this track, in many, many ways. Well, there you go. On that bombshell, Oof. let's move on to what would have been the last track on the album, Moving Under. Turn to him with confident eyes They've been in trouble before 
is it with this side? Yet another lively track. Yeah, another sort of rockier one Definitely. with a bit of a, a bit of a glam rock feel to it. This one again, elephant in the room. Tony's voice is probably at its most strained during this track. Yeah, but having said that, it's not a bad track. No. I'm going to say, I think this is possibly my favourite one of the album. And I know why. Why? It's because this sounds vaguely Genesis-y, isn't it? it I suppose it does, yeah, but I don't know why. Just... I think it's the music. So the, way, the way some of the music goes, it's the refrains that are used in this. When I was listening to this, I kept thinking, this is almost reminds me of a Genesis track. It's not played the same mm. way, and it's not using the same instruments. Some of the strains and the way they flow musically through this track... Mm. Just the music parts really reminded yeah. me of some early Genesis tracks. A lot of cakey changes. Cakey changes. Not really cakey changes. There's just the way that the refrains sort of moved musically. It sort of flows a bit like Genesis old musical mm. stuff flows. So it just felt quite nostalgic in a Genesis-y way for me. That. And yeah. I think subconsciously that affected you as well. Possibly. I mean, I, I love the way it just starts. There's no intro to the song. It's like into the night and it just starts. Again, energy. Yeah. And it's we've said many times before, the last track on an album, if it's good, makes you want to listen to the album again. Yes. Does this track make you want to listen to the album again? It makes me want to listen to side two again. Well, that's... Uh, yep, yep, I suppose that counts. Because, as I said, this album has two different sides. I like side two better. And I know we're going to come on to this in a moment. But, yes. yes, this track made me want to listen to this album again, but only side two, because the energy levels on this side of the album were more mm. to my liking than the energy levels on side one. I found side one a bit more wishy-washy, okay. but side two has got a definite kick to it, which, which I like. Yeah, I think this is Tony's best vocal on the album, personally. Um, again, I'm going to go back to what I've said many, many times. You're mm. wrong. <laughs> Did you like the song? Yeah, big time. Again, his vocals strained a bit in places, but other than that, he did a perfectly adequate job singing this. Another great use of Daryl on guitar again. Yeah, he's doing stonking work on this album in some places. Which is a bit of a contrast to um, A Curious Feeling, because, you know, he pretty much ditched all guitars on A Curious Feeling, apart from some acoustic. Yeah, yeah. So, a very interesting change. You know, Tony's using more collaboration. No, but, but at the same time, he is using more collaboration, but at the same time, this album seems more stripped back musically, I think. Yes. Even simpler. though he's technically got more people working on it, it does feel yeah. more stripped back to basics, especially on the first side. But the songs are simpler. Yes. This one also mentions The Fugitive, so perhaps that's where he got the uh, the name of the album maybe, from. Maybe it wasn't just forced upon him by, by Tony Stratton-Smith, as we've heard earlier. So moving under, moving on. <laughs> Clever. Two tracks that weren't on the original vinyl release, but were on the CD releases. The first one of those is K2.
this is another track that I thought was a bit Beatlesque in its styling. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's from the 80s, but you can imagine the Fab Four doing this. Yeah. But it just doesn't sound like it's 80s. It sounds kind of earlier. Well, it's a little bit later, actually, because these these two tracks we're going to look at were originally released on the B-side of uh, Shortcut to Somewhere which was Tony's single that he did with Fish. All right. So they're actually from about two, so probably three years later. So they're actually a bit later. They weren't released at the same time as the rest of the album. So that might be why it sounds different. Maybe. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a great track. No, no. I, I, it drags on a little bit. It does. It's To be honest, I think Moving Under was a great place to end this album. I'm not sure why they've put these two tracks on as extra tracks. If it was just for, you know, completism, for people who might like Mm. his work of this era, understandable, but I don't think this album is improved by adding these next two tracks. But I have a problem when they do these CD reissues and they add these bonus tracks onto the end. Mm. Not always, because... It often spoils, as in this case, the feel of the end of the album. I the end of the album is moving under. I agree with you on this. We get so many albums yeah. where they where they extend them and go, well, you know, th- we also were working on these tracks. We'll, we'll finish these tracks off now, add them onto mm. the album. This is what we wanted to do. No, that's not the album I fell in love with anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. get that on like, um, there's quite like, a few Yes albums where they've done that, where you've bought the reissue of the album and it's got like five more tracks on. You go, but, but, yeah, but my biggest one of those is Kate Bush's Sensual World album. The album ends on This Woman's Work, which, if you've not heard it, is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. And then the CD's got another track stuck on the end. <laughs> so you end with this beautiful track and it just ruins it with this kind of which was a b-side so. ruins the flow of the album. yeah it does it completely and as, you, as we were saying you know the the last track should be the one that hooks you in to start the track the album mm. again. if they've yeah. already got that originally and then they just jam another track on there it ruins the flow of the album and it also makes you not necessarily especially if they're not as great tracks want to immediately yeah. start listening to the album again yeah but then i suppose you think well what should they do with these tracks because you know people want to listen to them because fans do. Just do what every other band does and release a special CD with all B-sides on at some point. Yeah, I guess. I think, I think that works better. I mean, it's like you were on about Fish and that's what Marillion did in the first place. They released a lot of EPs originally. Mm-hmm. More than just jam them onto a re-release of an album, they did yeah. release a B-sides album itself. Yeah. And I'd, I'd rather listen to something like that yeah, exactly. than have an album that I love massacred by putting a track on there that really yeah. shouldn't be on there. Yeah. I mean, I suppose they could leave a blank space. You know, they could leave a 30-second blank track between the end of the album and the start of the, the bonus tracks, but it just it's including the tracks. Mm. Do you need them? And if you are going to put them on, should you put them in with the... It's difficult, you could, isn't it? You could, you could put them on a separate CD and put them in the box. Yeah. Like that, and that, that would probably get rid of it. But it's just, money, in it? Yeah, you, it's money. It is, but you've still got the album you originally bought. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just think in this case, this track and the next track being on the end of this album just spoils... The flow of the album. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. K2 sounds like it's from the 80s. I think it's Beatlesque. I don't think it's a great track. It shouldn't be on this album. No, definitely not. And that leads us on to Sometimes Never.
this, I have to say, is probably for me the worst track on the album. Unusually negative lyric from Tony. Not very good. It's musically, it's just a bit meh. Yeah, and yeah. again, another one with a terribly repetitive chorus. I know yeah. choruses are supposed to be repetitive, that's the point, mm. but this one just does seem to take the biscuit. Yeah, it's much too long. Yeah, It feels Re- far too it's long. It's only 3 minutes 41, and it feels like 7. And no, yeah, it feels far too long. Yeah. But yeah, don't like this track. I don't like either of these two tracks particularly, no, to be I, honest. I, and... I think they actually do this album a disservice by being on here. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're, yes. they're not good enough to, to put on. On yeah. an album that already, in my mind, was struggling for good tracks, they didn't mm. need more dross, mm. which is harsh. No, I don't. But you know what I'm saying. These don't add yeah. to the album. No. They just like continue the worst bits of the album. Yeah, I don't like these tracks. I wouldn't have put them on, to be honest. No, but there you go. So that's all the tracks. Yeah, let's do our overview of the album. Well, our worthy panellists, and indeed you at home, have to do is to pick out the clues that will reveal the owner or owners. So, if you're ready to play Sherlock to their homes, let's join Lloyd right now at house number one. And watch closely, because remember, the clues are there as we go through the key. Coming into the hall, we see what could be, I suppose, an ancestral portrait. Oh, hey, no. Actually, that's just a picture of a dog. I see that they must be having a drinks party. Look at all those peanuts. And how about that? 25 kgs of sunflower seeds. But I like peanuts. They're full of essential proteins, you know. Now, you can see that someone in this household likes getting their entertainment electronically. There's a whole bank of remote controls here. Oh, hang on, hang on. Can we just stop a moment? Okay, Kurt, Kurt, Lloyd, uh, just hang fire one minute. Uh, What seems to be the problem, Mr. Banks? Oh, well, I thought, you know, that was a bit of a giveaway, wasn't it? Lionel said, Banks of remotes, and my name is Tony Banks, so I thought it would give it away. Ah, yeah, Tony. Uh, Mr. Banks? Sure, Mr. Banks. That that wasn't a giveaway, it was just a normal turn of phrase. Hmm, okay, well if you're sure, I don't want the panel to guess it too easily. No, I understand, this is your first time, but we've been doing it for a while now. We know what we're doing, just let us get on with our jobs. Well, okay, if you're sure. Okay, everyone, go for another take. And action. Now, this room shows that whoever lives here is both serious and has a sort of zany side. Clowning around is important in this household. Now, whoever lives here has a definite interest in what I would call quite Tony 20th century literature. Hello, hi, sorry, everyone, he did it again. Cut, cut, town, Mr. Banks, please, what's the problem? Oh, sorry, I know you don't want me to worry about it, but he gave it away again. He said my name. Mm, No, no, he didn't. He said Tony, as in, hmm. Actually, I'm, I'm not quite sure the context to use that. He's American. Oh, I know. They butcher the language, don't they? The point is, Tony, Mr. Banks, he isn't giving it away. No one will guess from what he said. Okay, well, if you're sure... Sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Right then. 
Everyone ready? And turn over. Whoever lives here is definitely very, very keen on music. We've got lots of CDs with fashionable performers like Madonna and Christina Aguilera. But music looms large in this room. But judging from this Gibson guitar, I would guess that whoever lives here began their career as a bit of a folky. What? Stop the recording! Stop the recording! I've never been so insulted in all my life! How the very dare you! Cut, everyone! Mr. Banks, what in the name of reasonably priced pasta sauce is the problem now? I won't stand to be insulted by the likes of Lionel Grossman. How dare he call me a folky? I'm a serious musician, you know. Calm down, Mr. Banks, calm down. I'm sure he didn't mean any disrespect. Do I look like I sing with my finger in my ear? Well, that's I'll listen to your last album. I beg your pardon? Nothing, nothing. Listen, Mr. Banks, I'll cut that part out in the edit if you like. I suppose so, but I'm not happy about this. I didn't realise you'd be making such personal comments when I agreed to let you film in my house. Nothing personal intended. That's just Lloyd's style. Have you not seen the programme before? I'm sure he'll make some admiring comments when he does your studio and sees all your keyboards. Um, oh, yes, all my keyboards? All right, let's go again, everyone. Action! The gear in this room shows us that making music is still very much part of the everyday life of this household. Now, whoever lives here quite obviously likes guitars. Cut! Cut! Mr. Banks! Yes, I'm here. What's wrong? Where are the keyboards? Oh, um, yes, I, um, I, well, I, uh, I sent them all away for cleaning. But you're famous as a keyboard player, not a guitarist. How are the panel supposed to guess who you are? Oh no, no. I'm equally renowned for my guitar skills, you know. I played 12-string on early Genesis. Hmm, okay. Well, if you're sure... I am. Oh, very definitely, yes I am. All right then. Places, everyone. Action! Now, the whole room is presided over by a vivid neoclassical rendition of the final scene from A Winter's Tale. But really, calling this room a study is not quite accurate. It is, in fact, a music room. And it's the music room of a very, very keen guitarist. Someone who's so keen that he collects miniature guitars. But really, he seems to be a bit of a hard rocker, particularly devoted to the American Gibson guitar. Fabulous photograph here, which I must say looks as if it comes from the 50s of a family group. Stop! Cut! Cut! Everyone stop a minute. Where's Tony? Um, hello? Yes, I'm here. Uh, can I help? Yes, you can. That picture is of Mike Rutherford. It's all starting to make sense. The guitars, the artwork. Is this really your house, Tony? Well, yes. How very dare you accuse me of lying. Tony, what are you doing here in the middle of the night? And who are all these people? Mike! <laughs> uh, uh, Mike! I thought you were off in LA with Freddie Van Halo. Yes, I was. I came home early. He just wanted to party all of the time. Mike Rutherford? Yes, hello. Oh, is that Liam Grossman? Lloyd Grossman, yes it is. What is going on here? I think Tony should explain. Um, Look at the evidence. 
Guess who's coming for dinner? Two barometers. Frank Sinatra. Who lives in a house like this? David, it's over to you. So, the overview. We have to look at this album now, as we always do, as a whole yeah. beast rather than individual tracks and decide whether we think this was a, a good album, an average album, something that's worth taking the time to take an hour out of your busy schedule and actually sit mm. down and listen to, which is which is a yeah. rare feat these days, people just sitting down <laughs> and listen, listening to music. Everybody seems to yeah. listen to music while they're doing something else. And I know I've said on this podcast many times, I'm so you know guilty of that because I usually listen to these albums again and again as I'm driving to and from work. Um, yeah. But I do actually sit down and listen to the to music just for the sake of it. And that is a very important time these days. Life is so rushed. We've got so much to do that to take time out to listen to an album properly and give it the attention it deserves, it's worth mentioning in our review if this is actually one of those albums that you should make time for. And uh, that's Thought for Today there from with, Gary. Reverend <laughs> Gary Starr. Um, <laughs> my congregation said to me the other day, get out. Um, <laughs> so, Simon, I will ask you, yes. is okay. this an album you should make time for? <sighs> I like this album a lot. Okay. Despite the obvious vocal limitations that Tony's got, I think this album has one thing in it that A Curious Feeling didn't have, that's emotion. Regardless of what you think of Tony's vocal skill. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. He's put loads of emotion into this. And the fact that he's singing himself adds to that. And I think where, where a curious feeling felt quite aloof and cold. And it's full of its own self-importance. Like, this is the best album. Oh, this is going to be much better than any Genesis album. This one doesn't. He's, he's almost like he's been humbled a little bit by the fact that a curious feeling was so poorly received and has tried to go oh well actually i'm gonna be i'm gonna bear my soul a little bit but he's ditched that and he's tried to do what he's always done for genesis which is write good songs and there are good songs on this album whereas curious feeling just felt like tony having an overblown sense of his own importance and doing what he wanted to do which wasn't what anybody else wanted to hear so i think this is probably my favourite of his solo albums. Um, and also, probably, I'm trying to remember, I think this was probably the first Genesis solo album I heard, uh, other than Peter and Phil's albums. Okay. Would you like to know what I have to say about it now? You're going to say, it's a game of two halves. There's some good songs on it. You like the second side, but you think... On the whole, it's dull and repetitive, and it's not worth listening to. I don't know why I bothered to do this podcast. You already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Mostly, that is entirely correct. However, Go on, I'm going to agree with you in some aspect. I think this is a, an okay album. Side two, mm. as you say, I think is better because it has a lively, lively attraction to it. And I find, personally, side one a bit dull and repetitive as you quote mm. quite quite rightly said. I think Tony did an okay job singing on this album. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win any awards, um, but I, I don't think he did bad. I think perhaps um, Side One was the worst for his vocals, but that was purely mm. because of the way the music was put together. I think perhaps yeah. if, it, if it had been stronger and because it is, is – 
vocals resonated on sort of the same frequency as some of the music. And it's, it's, mm. it sometimes came across as a bit of a constant drone, the music and the vocals. I think if you had more, uh, if he had spent more time using the musicians that he had on hand to make the arrangement more interesting, his vocals would have come across better because the background music would have been a little more dynamic, a little more varied, a little less electronic sounding. Mm -hmm. And his, his voice would have worked better with that. As it stands, yeah. side one for me is a bit of a no-no. There's nothing there for me at all. Side two, I really like. There's a couple of tracks on there that yeah. I'm going to keep and take with me. See, Tony's Tony's made the same mistake that Mike made on Acting Very Strange in that he's done it all himself yeah. again. Yeah. He's written it, he's recorded the demos, and he's gone in and he's gone, right, here you go, guys, this is how I want it to be. And whereas Mike realised that that didn't work for him after acting very strange and went away and found a collaborator, Tony doesn't do that. Everything is always better when you take input from other people. So few musicians do what both of these guys have done and gone at it themselves Mm -hmm. with no outside, basically, influences. Somebody else is going to have an idea that can input to what you've got, and you can end up with something better and stronger if you listen to other people. When you just work from your own script, you end up with something that can be very narrow of vision. But it's very telling that Tony sticks to his guns with his solo albums. He sticks to this, I'm working, this is how I'm doing it, and I'm doing it my way. And that, that and, works fine. And, if, and he doesn't achieve he doesn't achieve any commercial success by doing that. Mm. And out of all of the Genesis solo members, he's the least successful. Yeah. But as I was about to say, it sticking to your guns is great if your guns have are loaded with good bullets. If hmm. you haven't got good bullets in your gun, maybe you should borrow somebody else's gun. Or you know, invest yeah. in a machine gun, or just because you you you've got a plan doesn't necessarily mean it's a great plan if nobody else likes it. Yeah, exactly. But Mike realised that he needed somebody to collaborate with, mm. and did. And he went down the garage and found those people. Exactly. Mm. But he had massive success. Tony sticks to his guns, does it all himself, and doesn't get anywhere. No. Which I think for me, based on this album, is a bit of a shame because there are some good songs on there here. There are some great. I think songs if he collaborated here. with somebody. Especially got a vocalist in, yeah. I think it would have been much better. And, and as I said, I didn't particularly like side one, but I think with a bit of a rearrangement mm. and a different vocalist, you could have had some great tracks on side one. Because yeah. the, the essence is there, I just don't think they were very well produced and performed. Yeah. You think it's an okay album? I really like the album. Let's go to The Leaderboard. The Leaderboard, The Leaderboard, The Leaderboard. Right, leaderboard time. So let's remind everybody of our leaderboards. Okay, you know, by by the time we get to 70 albums, this is going to be quite a tedious part of the show. It's going to be a podcast on its own. It is, yeah. (laughs) Just the leaderboard. So I'm going to do mine first. Mm. Okay. Number one, Peter Gabriel one. Number two, Face Value. Number three, Small Creeps Day. Number four, Voyage of the Acolyte. Number five, Please Don't Touch. Number six, Peter Gabriel two. Number seven, Brand X, Unorthodox Behaviour. Number eight, Geese and the Ghost by Ant Phillips. Number nine, Curious Feeling by Tony Banks. Number ten by Mike Rutherford's Acting Very Strange, the worst album we've reviewed so far. Where, where am I going to put this? Hmm. Cute drum roll. I'm going to put this at number four. Wow. I'm going to put this below Small Creeps Day, but above Voyage of the Acolyte. Gosh. Because I really like this album. That is quite surprising. I wasn't aware you liked it that much. I'm, I'm almost, I almost considered putting it at number three, <gasps> but 
I've grown to like Small Creeps Day a lot more than I used to. I, I, I really enjoyed Small Creeps so, Day, I must admit. Okay. So that's me. I'm at number three. So your leaderboard. And number one, you've got Peter Gabriel 1. Then Small Creeps Day at number two. Please Don't Touch at number three. Voyager Acolyte at number four. Curious Feeling at number five. <sighs> Geese and the Ghost at number 45. Unorthodox Behaviour at number 61. Face Value at number 62. Peter Gabriel 2 at number 78. Acting Very Strange at number 79. So, that sounds about right. where are you going to put The Fugitive? I'm going to put it at... Purely because I really like side two. Mm. I'm going to put it at number nine. Number nine? Hmm, okay. I really liked side two. Better than The Geese and the Ghost. But not as good as a curious feeling. Yeah. Okay. That's where I'm putting Fair it. I did, I, at the edge of night and charm and moving under, I thought were particularly good tracks. Yeah. And, and that's more than I liked on some of those other albums. I didn't have three tracks on some of the other albums that I liked as much. So that's why I'm putting it there. Fair enough. That's it. That's the leaderboards then. You thought I was going to put it at some sort of ludicrous number, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> So that was The Fugitive by Tony Banks. It was indeed. So, Simon, tell me, what have we got coming up next time? So our next episode will feature the second Phil Collins album. Oh, no. Hello, I must be going. Took the words right out of my mouth. So something for you to look forward to? I'll have to go around my mum's and take her copy. (laughs) I must have given it her for Christmas at some year. Uh, It features the hit single You Can't Hurry Love and was actually released before The Fugitive by Tony Banks. But I didn't want to do two Tony Banks albums in a row because the album we're doing after Hello I Must Be Going will be another Tony Banks album. But more on that next week. So you get listening to that. (laughs) And we'll have a chat about that in the next episode. You hate me, don't you? <laughs> you know, you, you could just come around and set fire to my house. You don't have to destroy me this way. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Mm. So anyway. So anyway. So if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. There's something wrong with you, obviously. <laughs> please, please get help. No, please send any feedback to revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, the Revelation Station podcast. You can also find us on buymeacoffee.com. Search for Revelation Station and there you can donate the price of a coffee, about $3, to the running of the podcast. And if you do that, I will give you 10 mini episodes absolutely free, well, for the price of your donation, which you can access straight away. They're all there. It's about two, two and a half hours, two and three quarter hours worth of material that you can't get anywhere else. Support goes towards the running costs of the podcast, which is various things, including website and equipment. Not that we've had any new equipment for a while, seeing as we're stuck in lockdown. And my psychiatric care from listening to these albums. But they're great. Anyway, that's me talking about vinyl records. Mm, They're very good. Very well worth listening to. So go away, do your homework and listen to Hello, I Must Be Going. And I'll speak to you next time. Thanks very much for joining us. Join us next episode for Phil Collins and take care and stay safe. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't even know what I was talking about now.
What was I talking about? Anyway. I have no idea. It's modern technology. I'm an old man. Just leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone with my pudding. Uh, I think now we... No, I can't do it now. You've cursed me. 